one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by Inspiration for Today. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I understand it, so that I can do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And I pray for the anointing today that you'd sustain me through the year to go to heights I've never gone through in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we've, we've been through a series, and we'll, we'll conclude it next week. Um, a fresh vision, you know, and a fresh new year with a new vision. And we started speaking about your assignment last week. But what I decided to do was, instead of doing a video, was to just give a picture of the active church and I did read it out in one of the um, services last year but this is this is what I believe with all my heart that the Lord wants us to see I believe he wants us to see it for our lives for the life of the church for our nation and for our continent I believe that God wants us to be people that have such big vision that the vision of heaven is all over us. Because if the vision of heaven is all over you, you're not complaining about the challenges. You're actually getting in there and ministering in the darkness and being a light. In terms of this year, our theme is we are the light. And what I want you also to realize that many things have gotten very dark in the world. Right now in our society, things are dark from the perspective of interest rates are going up. So people are going to lose their houses. All right, the petrol price has gone through the roof. There's Eskom Stage 6 load shedding. All of these pressures are converging on people. And then there's a lot of things that the establishment of, of our nation is doing that almost sometimes make it look, I mean, it, things are happening so badly that it makes it look like it's happening on purpose. And I know we all like to blame the ANC, and obviously the ANC would carry a whole lot of blame with that. But the issue is that it's the entire political establishment. All right? The whole parliament, the corporate establishment, so your business world, all of those sorts of things, the media world, the court systems, all of these things, there's darkness that is coming. Now, the reality is, when certain things happen, we think things are going well. The good thing about times such as this, we can see that even though we think things are going well, they actually aren't in the world. The world is always on the edge of death. Everything in the world is always perishing. No matter how good the economy is, no matter how good your marriage may be, whatever's going on in the world is perishing. 
The best marriages in the world end up in death. Every marriage ends up in tears. Some end up in the tears of a divorce court, but any that doesn't end up in the tears of a divorce court will end up in the tears of the funeral and the coffin going down into the ground. And some people are blessed. There's a few couples that are blessed. We all go shame, but it's actually a blessing if they get taken out together. Maybe a big truck hits them and they don't know what hit them, you know, and pff, yeah, today smiling, haha, where are we going tonight? Poof, gone. You understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, there's a tremendous amount of pain that goes when someone loses a spouse. So even the best things on life end in death. And that's why the Lord says, I've given you this gospel, and the gospel gives a message of everlasting life, of a kingdom that never ends. And if you haven't watched the devotions from this past week, I'd really encourage you to watch them. But don't just watch them, do them, because we've been going through prayer, not only going through how to pray, but why we pray that way. What is the meat and potatoes behind that? Why do we do the things we do? You won't understand the full extent of what being anointed under the Spirit of God actually means for you unless you grab a hold of that either. Now, in terms of the active church story, I want to read it out to you again. And it goes as follows, and this is something that I wrote down many years ago. And it's what I believe God wants for us. And in actual fact, I believe God wants us for the church at large. I believe it's just a description of one pastor in the south of Johannesburg, but it's actually a description of what God wants for His church. And so the story goes as follows, and I want, you, I want you to picture it in your mind. On this Vision Sunday, as we're getting vision for the year, and we're anointing everyone. This is the active church. A church that is as alive and vibrant as its name. This church is active in its families, in its communities, in its cities. In fact, it is active everywhere. This is the church where the Word of God is active. Active in its core. Active amongst its partners. Active amongst its congregation. Actively being sent out to those people it is evangelizing. The active church is a church that is going somewhere. We, the people of the active church, are on our way to heaven. We, the active church congregation, are loudly calling out the name of the Lord. We're changing lives, changing families, changing schools. Bringing empowerment to the economically disenfranchised. Bringing hope to the hopeless. Bringing restoration where there is devastation. Bringing love to the motherless. Bringing family to the fatherless. Bringing finances to the financeless. Bringing God to the godless. Bringing Christ to the Christless. The active church is going somewhere. On the way to greatness, thereby making loud the praises of the Lord our God. We can't fix this nation, but we can fix our block. And if we fix our block, we can influence others to fix theirs. And we ardently believe one block can change a nation. We are a nation within the nation of South Africa. We are a nation that belongs to the kingdom of God. We are actively kingdom-minded. Where worship of the everlasting God, the Father of Jesus Christ, is our number one sport. Where serving the Lord our God is our number one priority. 
as a result of our kingdom-mindedness, we are salt to a saltless generation. We are light to a generation stranded in darkness. We're a city on a hill, a city that is there for all to see, a city that can never be hidden. We are the active church. The active church is going somewhere, somewhere to a place where the people are so numerous as to form one huge throng, an army, the army of God, mighty and strong, an active army that has been completely restored by God, an army of people that is so full of purpose that we are so full that we can't take anymore, an army that does not have time for nonsense because we are too busy with kingdom business. We see an active church that is 600,000 strong. We picture a stadium full of people whose lives are transformed because they have a powerful relationship with God, are forming solid families, they are changing their worlds. The active church is a church where God is restoring the lives of its partners by replacing what the devil has stolen from them. The active church we see is a church where we find adults with marriages restored and strengthened, with singles that are finding their soulmate, with a passion for the kingdom of God, with a passion for God, they are awesome parents. The active church we see is a church where we find young people that are living for, 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 for the God-given purpose, that are living with a passion for the kingdom of God, having a deep passion for God, they are awesome students. The active church we see is a church where we find children that are exhibiting brilliant behavior because God is healing them of their past, their wounds are being healed, and God is real to them. We see a church where our God reigns, and therefore we are a church where hope is restored, life is renewed, Christ is received, justice prevails, racism dies, people are people, and God is God. The active church, this is the active church. We are a church that is going somewhere. A church that is headed for the overflow. An overflow where we will overflow our facilities. We are the active church. A church raising up a new generation. A generation that will change this nation. To God be the glory. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a big shout of praise? Because I'm telling you now, the only hope for South Africa is the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope there is. There's no political party or political leader that is going to save you. There's this one leader in South Africa. His name is Gayton McKenzie. He leads a party called the Patriotic Alliance. And he proudly bragged this week how he led the effort to bring down the mayor of Johannesburg, Mpo Palazzi, who is a born-again Christian. And in its place... They put in a Muslim who stood for a Muslim party and they got exactly three seats in a council of about 238 or something or 240 seats somewhere along there. And there are people that are saying, this guy's going to save us. This guy's going to do everything for us. And some people are believing him. Other people are believing in other political leaders. Many people believed in Julius Malema, and he's let many of them down with fraud cases and all sorts of things. Because there is no political leader that is going to save you. If Nelson Mandela couldn't save you, there isn't a political leader that's going to save this nation. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is going to save this nation. I'm telling you, I don't care what people believe. I don't care what they think. It's only Jesus that's going to do it. And the only way Jesus is going to do it is through you. You have an assignment. We started speaking about this last Sunday. 
And in order for us to understand our assignment and get a hold of our assignment, we've got to have our relationship with the Lord first. And this is why I want to encourage you, if you haven't gone to the prayer sessions, you don't know what you've missed. And if you've listened to it and you haven't done it, you need to do it again. Because until you start learning how to pray, until you start learning how to pray how Jesus taught us to pray, until you start learning to pray how the Apostle Paul prayed, until you start learning how to fight the spiritual battle by applying the blood of Jesus, you're not going anywhere. And you have to pray knowing that because I walk in the light and have fellowship with other believers, the blood of Jesus cleanses me now and continually of all sin. 1 John 1 verse 5 to 10. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we, de we deceive ourselves, and the truth of God is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and He is not in us. I want you to realize, one of the signs of how close or far you are from God is what fellowship do you have with fellow believers in the church? What fellowship do you have? How offended do you get? That is a pure objective measure for where you stand with the Lord. I spoke in detail about this last week. The second thing that we saw last week was that we show the world the, the, the contents of our hearts by our actions. Now here's the thing. And this is our focus for today. Matthew 28, verse 36 to 40, Jesus says, what is the stuff that is most important to God? In Matthew 22, 36, teacher, someone asked Jesus, which is the great commandment in the Lord? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. If God is your number one priority, Jesus has told you there's the law you need to follow. Love God with everything you have and love people as much as you love yourself. So now, if you want 2023 to be a successful year, if you want the anointing of God to permeate your life, if you want the anointing of God to bless you like you've never been blessed before, you've got to understand what does it mean to be successful in the kingdom of God. And success is to fulfill your God-given assignment. I want you to think about your God-given assignment. Your God-given assignment exists exactly right now, right where you live, right where you work, in the family that you're in, in every place that you go. You've been placed there by Almighty God, and your mindset has to change to realize, I'm on assignment here. And then you've also got to change your mindset to realize that what you've been taught in the educational system is not true. 
Because what you've been taught is that your life is an accident and a mere sequence of events that led to a consequence of you and it just so happened to happen by accident. You're no accident. God created you for a purpose. And God, God's idea in everything is He created is that He never started anything until He'd already finished it. The purpose that God has for your life was already finished before the creation of the world. Before God said, let there be light. Before God even began to create the universe, He had you in mind and He had your purpose in mind and He already finished it. And then He said, now I'm going to do this incredible thing. I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose the purpose I've already finished. The only way my purpose won't be fulfilled in you is if you choose not to do it. Now, maybe you're thinking about wasted years and all of those sorts of things. I want you to remember this. Jesus has no calendar. It's never too late. Unless, the only time it's too late is if you die without Christ. Jesus is in eternity. And therefore, that purpose that he created you for right there in eternity, it is there for you right now. God knows the end from the beginning in your life. The only thing that he's waiting for you to decide is are you going to walk in his will? Now, people say, yeah, but how can God know your end and know what you're going to choose? Because God's in eternity. He creates you and immediately is able to watch to see what you did. He's not bound by time. If you don't understand that, don't try and figure it out. Just trust him. Jesus knew before he lived that he would be born, that he would die, and that he would rise again. He knew this. Before Jesus came into the womb of Mary, he knew his life on earth was going to end after having been crucified and died and being in the grave for three days and three nights. He knew he was going to stand on a mountain. He was going to speak to his disciples, give them the Great Commission, and then he was going to float off into heaven. And he knew he was going to leave behind the church to be him on the earth. You have an assignment. And after getting saved, your job is to discover that assignment. And if you don't discover your assignment, you won't live it. And if you don't live the assignment that God has for you, your life will have no quality. I didn't say you won't necessarily enjoy your life. Because there will be aspects of your life that you will enjoy. But your life will have no quality. And whether your life is long or short, if you live for the purpose of God, your life has maximum quality. For instance, in the Old Testament, there's a guy by the name of Methuselah, who in the book of Genesis, it records that he lived for 969 years. Jesus lived only for 33 and a half years. Methuselah lived for 969 years. But all the Bible says that Methuselah did is that he died. Methuselah lived 969 years. He had children and then he died. Jesus lived 33 and a half years. And in contrast, he died for a purpose. 
He died to save every single member of the human race. And my question to you is, do you want to live a long and pleasure-filled life? Do you want to live a life of your own things? Or do you want to live an effective life? Let me explain something to you. God wants you to have an effective life. You know what many people do? I mean, obviously some people take drugs and they drink too much and maybe they, they, they put themselves in danger and then they die and, and they die before their time. But there's many, many people. They eat right. They gym right. They take the right vitamins. They do everything. And some people are obsessed about their health. And then after being obsessed about their health for whatever number of years, they die. So after eating many vitamins, they die anyway. You don't need vitamin C, you need vitamin Christ. Maybe we can call it vitamin J. Ask the person next to you, how many vitamin J tablets are you taking? If you don't realize what vitamin J is, it's vitamin Jesus. Tell the person next to you, say, you need vitamin Jesus. Tell the person next to you, I need vitamin Jesus. And tell them, if we have vitamin Jesus, say, if we have vitamin Jesus, we'll live happily ever after. If you believe that, give the Lord the biggest shout of praise. Amen. Amen. You were born for an assignment. And one of the pastors who's going to be at the G12 conference is Bishop Ariel Bolana, who's done an incredible thing in the Philippines. And he says this, anyone who dies without filling, fulfilling their assignment is killed. And some people are killed because they don't fulfill their assignment. Only people who fulfill their assignment die. So what he's saying is, in his perspective, any person that dies, no matter how long or how short they live, without fulfilling their God-given assignment, are killed. To get to the place whereby you have the qualification that you can say you died, you've got to fulfill your God-given purpose. And that is why Dr. Miles Monroe said that the richest estate in the world is the graveyard. Because most of the people that are buried there died and their God-given dreams of their God-given destiny died with them. They never saw the light of day. But I want you to realize, life does not happen by chance. You're not successful in God's eyes by accident. You don't marry the right person by accident. Your life was preordained by God with a purpose. And your responsibility is to live in a way that God can use your life to fulfill its purpose. That is a quality life. That is a life which will long be remembered in eternity. And so what are you building? I want to ask you that. We're going to be anointing you. But what are you building? What are you building? How's your life going in terms of what you're building? I want you to think about also where you're getting the input for your life in terms of what you're building. What are you building into your life in terms of 
the ideas that you're getting for your purpose, the reason why you're here. There are people that you know, that you hang around with. There are places that you go, and there are meetings that you attend that are killing your assignment. I want to say that to you again. There are people that you know, people that you hang around with. There are places that you go, and there are meetings that you attend that are killing your assignment. Now, some of the young people here will be thinking, oh no, there he goes talking about parties again. No, no. This is, this is for everyone. As I'm saying that, God may be revealing something to you about people you know, places you go, and meetings you attend that are killing your assignment. And many of you, if you're going to succeed in your assignment, there are the relationships with five people you need to kill. There are five places you need to stop going to. And there are five meetings you need to stop attending. I want you to realize something. Jesus is very clear about what your assignment is. Your assignment is not your job. Many, many Christians confuse their job with their calling. Your job is not your calling. The Apostle Paul made tents for a living. That wasn't his calling. His, his calling was to be an apostle of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made tents to earn a living. Now in making the tents, Paul would have had to make the tents and if he promised someone a tent, He'd have to make it in time so he can deliver it in time. It would need to be a quality tent that when the first storm comes, it doesn't get destroyed and all of those sorts of things. So he would have made the best tents. He would have made a tent that would have brought glory to God. People would have bought that tent and they would have lived in that tent and they would have been so blessed in that tent and that tent would have probably lasted longer than other tents. And the glory of God would have rested on that tent. And making the tent would have been part of his God-given assignment. Because when people came to him to purchase the tent, he had a chance to preach the gospel to them. Let's say now there's a politician here. Let's say now you become the president of South Africa. Right there in the presidency, there's people you're going to come into contact with. And it doesn't matter what your job is. Your calling is in that place where God has put you to be a witness, to be a light. To tell them about what Jesus has done in your life. To be a witness as to the incredible things Jesus has done in your life to get you to where you are. That is your calling. Obviously, your first calling is to get to heaven. One of the days this week, I taught how to pray, looking at the seven places Jesus shed his blood. And that when you're fighting the spiritual battle, you've got to fight it with the blood. 
The power of God is available to defeat the enemy in your life through the blood of Jesus. And you've got to learn about the seven places and understand what is the significance of that. What is it that you're putting your faith in? Because how do you put your faith in God if you do not know Him? In the first week we went through His names. What do they mean? How do you have faith if you do not know what the will of God is? We taught about how to know the will of God. How do you have faith if you do not know the love of God? And you can only love the, know the love of God by experiencing it. We taught that. And this week the main message was about how to fight the spiritual battle. And no, it's not like... Or like the New Zealand rugby players, you know? Some people fight the devil like that. And the sweat flows and the spit flies. And the devil stands there and looks at them. And goes and breaks their kettle. While they're fasting and now they can't even have coffee because they weren't eating. Now they can't even have coffee. And it, it reminds me many times when we pray, if we pray wrong, and we're fighting and the sweat's flying and we're shouting and we're screaming, the devil's looking at us and, um, you know, the hyenas in um, Lion King. And Scar comes and speaks to them. And uh, the hyenas say, Ooh, Mufasa. <laughs> and one of the other hyenas goes, Come on, say it again. He says, Mufasa. And the guy goes, Come on, say it again. Mufasa. And then they all start laughing like hyenas. That's the devil. That's the devil. He's waiting to chow you. He's waiting to eat you. Now you're sweating and spitting and everything's going on and nothing's happening. He's laughing at you. But when you fight the battle with the name of Jesus, trusting that Jesus is fighting your battle, Applying the blood because all the rights that you have come by the blood of Jesus. When that becomes your focus, everything changes. I'm so bold, I'm courageous. They ask me where I get my strength, how I'm so brave. And now I put my faith in God Ain't even about breaking even though I'm just trying to beat the odds I'm just trying to be the guy to make it out the sides Trying to thrive, not just get by Trust in God, that's what I live by Look at the road, it's God's time, it's God's time It's God's time Long as I breath in my lungs and blood in my veins You can know it's God's time It's God's time It's God's time You know that's why I'm so bold I'm courageous They ask me where I get my strength How I'm so brave It's cause I'm so bold I'm courageous I get my strength from my God That's where my faith is All up in these pages
Hold up. You ready? This one right here is prophetic. Focus on God and get better. Put your head in the work, keep your head up. When you fall on your knees, but you get up, you know God got you, don't give up. No God got you, don't give up. You real go get up. Go get up for God. Go get up for God. You're so beautiful, God. So beautiful, God. Died to myself, he gave me new life. Gave me the sun when I'm in the midnight. And the moonlight, and the do right. I've been trying to get the mood right. Fool for thought we in a full fight. I've been walking in a new I've been trying to get the mood right. Fool for thought we in a full fight. I've been walking in a new life. I'm so bold, I'm courageous. They ask me where I get my strength.